Welcome back to the program. Well, joining us right now is our very special guest, Dr. Kavita Bala from Cornell University. She's the head of the Department of Computer Science, and today she'll be joining us to talk about visual search. She'll also be talking about a company which we share our namesake with, GrokStyle, and how it leverages the visual search technology. Dr. Bala, thank you so much for joining us here today on Grok Science. Welcome back to the program. Well, joining us right now is our very special guest, Dr. Kavita Bala from Cornell University. She's the head of the Department of Computer Science, and today she'll be joining us to talk about visual search. She'll also be talking about a company which we share our namesake with, GrokStyle, and how it leverages the visual search technology. Dr. Bala, thank you so much for joining us here today on Grok Science. Thank you for having me. So what exactly is visual search and you know, what does this mean for consumers? So you may have heard, I mean, everybody knows now there's a huge AI revolution going on. And within AI, there's a lot of uh, discussion about how uh, deep learning particularly is changing a particular area of computer vision uh, called scene understanding. So just to parse all of that, um, Computer vision is the area of computer science where you take images and you try to understand what is in those images. And scene understanding is a particular uh, problem uh, domain within the area of computer vision that looks at this question of can you understand what objects you're seeing, can you understand what materials you're seeing, etc. So imagine you, as a human being, when you walk down the street or you're in your room, you have a very clear sense of, you know, here's my computer, here's my keyboard. You know all the items that are there. You probably have a pretty good idea of what this chair I'm sitting in is made of fabric uh, or leather. And so you have an understanding of the objects and materials. Scene understanding tries to make computer algorithms that achieve the same level of understanding as a human being could when shown a picture of a scene. So visual search is now sits within this area of computer vision where visual search is a problem of actually understanding what's in an image but at a much greater level of detail. So for example, as I said, when you're sitting in your room, you probably know that you've got a particular computer or you're sitting on a particular, or you're sitting on a chair, but you probably don't know what the exact make of the chair is. Uh, visual search is the technology that will tell you not only what that it is a chair, but it'll tell you this is the, for example, the IKEA Poang chair, or you know the Herman Miller you know, particular brand of office chair that you might be looking at. So visual search is the core technology that tells you exactly what you're looking at and gives you the detail. It's called fine grade recognition. It tells you exactly what object you're looking at. So what exactly is enabling visual search? Is it hardware, software, or a combination of both? Both. 
So I started off by saying there's a deep learning revolution going on. And so for the past five, six years, uh, the entire field of AI, and this is having you know very lasting and long-reaching uh, uh, impact on different areas of computer science and, in fact, all of human endeavor. So whether it is self-driving cars are recognizing objects and pedestrians while they're navigating in streets, um, you know, that's one example of deep learning being used to recognize objects in the world. Um, there's, you know, applications in medicine and fintech, etc. So deep learning is having a giant impact on all areas of human endeavor right now. And it is, what is deep learning? It is a branch of artificial intelligence that actually has been around from the late 80s, but is suddenly again had a resurrection over the past six years because of the right combination of software and hardware and data actually. So new algorithms combined with extremely large GPU clusters doing a lot of compute along with large amounts of data coming from you know the internet where there's just lots of imagery of the world combined together is resulting in this revolution that's going on in artificial intelligence right now. So I understand the science and technology underlying visual search has been supported by the federal government. Uh, you've also been a recipient of National Science Foundation grants. So how how is the government involved in all this and what is their interest to develop this technology? So the government uh, role in it is actually so you know the so I, I talk broadly about the area of of uh, artificial intelligence and deep learning. Grok style's particular technology, as I said, is in fine grain fine recognition. And so we're a deep learning startup that's providing AI solutions for retail. And our core technology is, uh, you know, product recognition. So you can take your camera, point it at a piece of furniture, we'll tell you what it is. And then we can also recommend other items that are stylistically complementary with it and that, that you can imagine buying to complement the chair. This work came out of research that we actually had started off at Cornell University with my PhD student, Sean Bell. He is now the CEO of the company. And we were, as I said, doing research on image understanding, and we then developed these algorithms to do fine-grained recognition. At the time, I've been funded uh, by National Science Foundation grants all along on my, on my career. I've been a professor for 15 years now at Cornell. And uh, we applied for a small business innovation research grant. So what are these SBIR grants? They're very interesting, actually. The government wants all of the great technology that the scientists in, in the United States are developing in different areas, not only in computer science, but in all areas and all um, fields of, of science. They would like this technology to actually influence um, the industry as we as we are and technology as, as people use right now. So. The government's role and interest is it's actually they fund these without taking any stake in the company. They fund it completely with the desire of getting tech transfer out of great ideas from academia into industry. So I've looked at the examples in on your website, uh, Grok Style, about how this technology is being applied, applied for the consumer market, for example, identifying furniture or imagining how it looked like in your... Mm -hmm living room, and that seems to be the, the first step of other applications. Where, where do you think this is going? 
So that's a great question. So starting off, we chose to focus on a particular industry, which is the furniture industry, just because for a few reasons, actually. And so I can t talk about why we started here and then where all we think we're going to go. So the reason we pick furniture is, I don't know if you've gone furniture shopping recently, but it is an incredible, it can be an incredibly frustrating experience. Uh, for starters, we don't, normal people don't have the language of a furniture expert. So they kind of know what they're looking for. For example, they're looking for a sofa. They might want a two-seater. Um, they might want a tufted sofa, but they don't know the phrase tufted or a split seat or a Chesterfield. So the fact that the experience of shopping requires a vocabulary that people just don't have at their fingertips is one thing that we want to address by adding visual search uh, to their experience. Experience. The second big challenge that people face when they're uh, shopping is that they're actually style challenged. I don't know if you've recently tried to buy things, but most people are extremely concerned, and particularly when it's big decisions that cost a lot of money, like furniture does. You don't buy it every day, you buy it once in a while, and then you live with, it, live with the consequences of your decision for a long time. Often they get paralyzed by the stylistic decisions of what items to pair with each other, or whether you should buy a certain color and a certain look. And so this paralysis on style is also something we can address because we show them items. We help address the language barrier by letting them use visual tools to find something they like and say, I want that without being able to describe it in language. And we also show them different combinations of design that uh, where that particular item was used stylistically. And then we let them actually uh, visualize and get inspired by other designer photographs to actually get to um, get to the, achieving their stylistic goals. So that's sort of where we see uh, our current, where that's why we started off with furniture. But going forward, it's, it's very obvious that one of the areas that we could go to is definitely fashion and accessories. So there's another area that is a very visually compelling area where people have a sense of, you know, I know what I like, I can I can kind of see it in my mind's eye. How do we get that out there and get uh, people to be able to express their ideas? Visual search is a technology that will help them do that. So we're starting with furniture, we're going to fashion. But really going forward longer, uh, longer term, I really see that all visual content will require some sort of visual recognition and search that we will take for granted. So we will, I expect, you know, walk around in, in, in settings where we have an expectation of living in an augmented reality world, where the real world is an, and virtual world are overlaid one on top of the other. And you get sort of these, I don't know if you've seen, there was a recent movie that was showing these augmented reality settings where next to every object in the world, there's a blurb that tells you exactly what it is, what its life cycle is, what is it made of, et cetera, right? So we will walk around in this extremely rich visual experiences where the real world has augmented information that's showing everything about the particular object that we are seeing that will let us interact in a much more powerful way with all the physical objects that we have in the world. And I see visual search as the core technology that drives augmented reality applications uh, going forward. So I see that it's a very complementary technology that you need in an augmented reality setting. And I see that as the longer term path and I'm very excited about the future of visual search in that arena. So speaking of augmented reality or the related virtual reality, in a popular culture we often associate these with uh, particular eyewear, for example a visor that you put with your glasses. 
in the implementation for Groxels, for example, uh, we just see a smartphone or you know uh, a browser that helps uh, augment your reality. Um, does a full implementation of augmented reality require uh, special eyewear? Right. So I think. Uh to start with, I mean, and you know, this uh, the the pendulum has swung back and forth on the technology on this, where people got excited about things like Google Glass and they got very turned off it. Now people are talking about just holding up your phone. And I actually see there's there's going to be a lot of I think interesting technologies on the optical side that are going to come out that are going to get increasingly more powerful. Whether it's holding up just your phone, uh, where you just use it as sort of a window into this augmented world, right? So you hold up your phone and everything that you see in the phone has all this augmented information completely juxtaposed sort of as a window that's juxtaposed with the physical world that you can see around it. That's one uh, modality of, of interacting with the physical and augmented world. The other are things like glasses and visors. And I mean, even going forward, people are talking about, you know, contact lenses and other things that you can do. So it's even much less uh, obtrusive visually uh, uh, in terms of how it sits on your face, but it gives you much more powerful information. I see that path as being long-term a path that we will go down as a society where we will have these much more powerful augmented uh, visual methodologies available to us. But for now, in fact, just using even a phone and holding it up has given a very powerful interface for people to interact with visual and augmented information simultaneously. So several years ago, there was a lot of fanfare when Google Glasses came out and many people thought it was going to be a uh, disruptive technology, but it's actually whimpered out except for niche applications. Was it a technology that was a hit of its time or did (laughs) they not consider more of the, the social implications of how people communicate with each other? Well, yes and yes, right? So I, I think the answer is, I think it was ahead of its time. And, you know, the rest of the ecosystem of all the things that you could do with it was not quite there yet, right? So all the tools, all the recognition algorithms. So the recognition algorithms, particularly when you take visual information and you recognize every object and every material in the scene, that is much more actually has started appearing and becoming more and more powerful and accurate more recently. So in that sense, they were ahead of their time. But the social implications, that's a very deep and important question. And that will continue to remain, I think, uh, relevant and important. So there's two parts to that. Uh, And in this sense, maybe they were um, ahead of their time even in that regard. There was this aspect where people felt that they were being recorded all the time without their knowledge. And this was, you know, this flipped a lot of people out. Uh, interestingly enough, you know, now Snap has got some new new uh, glasses that also let you uh, record people, but it has a light that goes on to tell them that you're recording it. So interestingly enough, though, the idea of being recorded, partly it bothered people, they needed more of an indication. But now it seems that people are willing to accept that that might happen and they might be willing to go along with it. You have this expectation that when you go to some landmark and you're standing there, that you will be in the selfies and the photographs of everybody else who happened to be there. You don't really have an expectation that you won't be photographed, uh, which is 
interesting because you could legitimately say, well, I didn't want, to, I didn't choose to opt in. And in fact, I think there's lots of great privacy questions and privacy technology that will need to get developed so that people can actually have more agency on, on whether they are photographed, et cetera, in various settings. But that will go on in parallel with the technology. I think the technology and the, I see that there is increasingly a shift where people are more and more comfortable with in fact being recorded. And I think that will actually become an eventuality. So once we get to the part where the social side is something people are much more comfortable with, or maybe we'll come up with better mechanisms that people can control when they're recorded and when they're not, that level of adoption will take place. And then meanwhile, the technology has also advanced a lot so that now the technology is very accurate. It can actually do useful things for you. Couple those two together. I see that in fact, there will be adoption in the future. And so I guess one other company that's received some attention in the last couple of years is Magic Leap. Uh, you know, what exactly is it? Is it another AR, VR implementation? That is, I mean, they are very, very secretive, as you know, and what I know from them, I am, you know, not at a liberty to talk about. But yes, they are, uh, they are another, they are an augmented reality. Their vision is an augmented reality vision. And I do see that they will see themselves as playing a role in this in this world that I just articulated of us having a lot of interaction with the physical and augmented simultaneously overlaid into one visual feed to our brain. So as we've seen, technologies like Grok style uh, enhance or augment our existing reality, but are there things that it cannot do? Um, for example, can it replace a library? Yeah, so there's virtual reality, I think, where you have, uh, so this is, uh, Groxwell is very much based on real imagery and understanding what the imagery is. So in fact, if I step back and think about, uh, in computer science, there are two fields. I actually happen to do research in both of these areas, but they're very much a yin and a yang kind of uh, relationship. There's computer vision and there's computer graphics. So in computer vision, you take images of the world and then you try to understand what's in them. In computer graphics, you start off with no nothing. You have virtual models. You create models of the world that are completely virtual, and then you render them or you simulate the physics in them so that they look like reality. That's at least one branch of computer visual or computer graphics produces images that look real. And so they're really actually, as I said, the yin and yang, they're very complementary. So what you're talking about, this, this idea of walking into a virtual room in which you're completely immersed, in which you can read a book, is more of a computer graphic sort of holodeck kind of an experience. And there's lots of great progress going on in that too. And the common theme between AR and VR often is in fact this idea of if you have something that goes over your eye, you can either go in sort of a mode where you're looking at the world and adding information, projecting information onto it, or you can go into a completely opaque world where in fact it just becomes a closed loop system where you're showing virtual imagery and you're basically disconnected from the physical world. So AR and VR are connected through the fact that they are both feeding information to the eye and the brain, but they are actually very, very different because in the sense of one of them is actually interacting with the physical world, but the other might be purely virtual. Well, it's very exciting. I, I guess we're running a little bit out of time. I'm just wondering if you had any last words about this field of research, the company, or any of your other interests. Yeah, I, I you know, it's a very exciting time. In the late 90s, search, tech search, 
completely revolutionized how people approach information. Now, you know, before that, for example, if you wanted to find out if you wanted to go to a restaurant, you want to go to a movie or catch a show, you would have to call the place you're going to to find out the time. Now, there is no piece of information that you don't just type into, uh, you know, into Google or or your, you know, your search uh, company of choice and get that information without having to look it up explicitly. The information comes to you. Visual search and visual interfaces are exactly at that threshold of having that level of impact as search did in the late 90s. They're just starting to take off. But increasingly, I think people will get much more comfortable with doing everything visually without having to resort to trying to describe with words things that they can do visually. So for example, even nowadays, if you, if you go to a conference and you meet somebody, rather than taking down their contact information or asking for their email, often you might just whip out your camera and take a picture of their badge. That's, you know, even meta information not even things that are actually visually significant, like as I said, in design or style, where visuals are clearly a very important aspect of of uh, of the how style and design manifest themselves. So I think increasingly we as as um, a people will get very very comfortable using images as our common mode of interaction, just like we have started using text search and then we went to speech. Speech has of course taken off a lot. The next big, I think, area of growth is in using visual interfaces and visual search to get access information in the world. So in that world, I think there's a lot of opportunities to just unlock um, visual understanding, which I'm very excited about. So I see that as you know the, the big impact that this research and this kind of technology will have over the next 15, 20 years. And for students out there and people generally interested in this field, uh, what are some of the resources they can go to to learn more about visual search? There's a lot of, of course, online courses like MOOCs in computer vision and AI and deep learning that I strongly encourage people to take. So there's, uh, you know, different universities will offer courses. Um, also go to conferences. So the big conferences are the computer vision conference, actually CVPR was last week. Uh, there's also SIGGRAPH um, is a computer graphics conference. Uh, there's, of course, textbooks, and there's uh, the machine learning conferences. So if you want to, to learn about these things, there's the MOOCs, MOOCs and textbooks and conferences are a great place for you to learn about everything that's going on. Great. Dr. Valla, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Thanks very much, and it was a pleasure chatting with you. And that's all for this week's edition of the Rock Science Show. Make sure you tune in again next week for more from the world of science, technology, and the way they affect our daily lives. In the meantime, you can check us out on the web at www.grox.net, on Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us at science at grox.net. From Grox Science, I'm Franklin. Stay tuned here for more music. Da, da, da.